and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only leading up to Easter, there are a number of Christian films that are coming out in the theaters, and I want to encourage you uh, to go see these, uh, not only for your own benefit to encourage your faith, but also because that's what will encourage them to keep making Christian films, as if we as Christians go to see them. Uh, on March 23rd, uh, the movie Paul the Apostle comes out in the theaters. Uh, Raph got to see a, uh, a preview of it, uh, a screening of the movie, and said it was very good. Uh, I've seen the trailer for it, and I uh, hope you'll go see Paul the Apostle. It's going to be a very good movie. Uh, then on March 30th, uh, God's Not Dead, Light in the Darkness comes out. It's the third uh, in a series of God's Not Dead movies. And it focuses around, if you remember in the first movie, the, the pastor and the church he was part of, they're kind of the focus uh, in this third movie, and it's very good. Uh, but this week, on Friday, March 16th, the movie I Can Only Imagine comes to theaters. I've been waiting for this for several months. Uh, it's based on the song that uh, Sue and Raph just sang for you, a song that 
uh, has captured the hearts of so many people. It was not only number one on Christian radio, but that song for a while was number one on the charts of secular radio stations. And I couldn't help but think, why would an unbelieving world be captivated by a song about heaven? Some recent polls say that uh, 72% of the American people believe there is a heaven and that if they live a decent life, they will go there when they die. Heaven seems to be on lots of people's minds. And so I want it to be on ours. So from now till Easter, um, I want to share some messages with you about heaven. Uh, I want us to imagine together what heaven will be like. But more importantly, I want us to turn to the scriptures and see what they have to teach us about heaven. So what will heaven be like? Take just a moment and form an image in your mind or some thoughts about what heaven means to you. Do you have those thoughts? Do you have kind of a mental image or a picture of heaven? Does it involve wispy clouds? Does it involve angels playing harps? Streets of gold, gleaming mansions. Or some people like to think that heaven's going to be like their favorite place on earth. So if you're someone who enjoys hiking in the forest, then heaven is just a beautiful forest. Or if you like mountains, heaven is just filled with mountain ranges. If you like the beach, heaven is just an endless beach with crystal clear water. Well, the Apostle John was given a unique experience. He was literally given visions of heaven by God. He was allowed to see, to pull back the curtain, if you will, and take a peek into heaven. And then when God gave him these visions, he said, I want you to write those down. I want you to record them for my people, my church. And I can only imagine the difficulty that presented for John. Have you ever seen something so magnificent, so wonderful, that you struggled to put it into words? What that experience was like or what you saw? That's, that's what John had to deal with. And that's why the book of Revelation in large part is written in symbolic language. He saw God. And he had to try to explain the presence of God in human terms. And so he ended up using very symbolic language to do it. We're going to be in the, in the fourth chapter of Revelation. That's on page uh, 1917 if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. Revelation 4. 
And I want us to discover this vision that John had of heaven. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the thrones came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Let me pause there a minute. The centerpiece of heaven is the throne of God. And whenever the Bible mentions the throne of God, it's referring to the presence of God. So God is the centerpiece of heaven. The word throne appears 14 times alone in chapter 4, and it appears 46 times in the whole book of Revelation. So the presence of God dominates heaven. And John tried to find language to describe the one he saw sitting upon the throne. He spoke of precious gems like jasper and carnelian. Those were some of the most brilliant gemstones they had in those days. And they, they were meant to reflect the glory of God. It said there were uh, flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. There was power around the throne of God. There were seven lampstands which together encompassed the Holy Spirit of God. His wisdom. His knowledge. There's a, a rainbow like emerald encircling the throne. The rainbow was God's symbol of promise that he gave Noah. When he said, I, I will never again judge man on this earth. I will judge him in heaven, but I won't bring my judgment on this earth again as he did with the flood. And the rainbow was his promise of mercy. So we have God's mercy around his throne. And the idea that it encircles it means it's complete. There's nothing else that needs to be done to achieve God's mercy for us other than that which was done by Christ. And it's for all people. Back in the Old Testament when God's people cried out to see him. Moses in particular, one time on, on Mount Sinai, said, Lord, I want to see you. 
want to see your glory. And God said, you can't handle it. <laughs> if you as a sinful human being see me as I am, it will utterly destroy you. So he told Moses he was going to put him in the cleft of a rock. And he said, I'm going to pass by you. And when I pass by, I'm going to cover your face with my hand. And once I'm passed, I'm going to let you see a glimpse of my back. It's the best I can do right now. And all throughout history, God's people have longed to see him. And John gets to do that. And he describes for us the, the glorious, majestic, powerful, merciful, holy, and righteous presence of God. He truly is an awesome God. I was listening to a speaker a while back who said that uh, one time when he was speaking, he used the word awesome with God, and then several times in his message, he would refer to other things like, well, that was an awesome site we had on vacation. That was an awesome restaurant we ate out. He said, boy, that football game, it was awesome last weekend. And his wife kind of rebuked him after the sermon <laughs> and said, you know what? You can't use awesome for God and use it for anything else. You can't compare God with pizza. He's incomparable. So if God is awesome, nothing else is. And you know, that has stuck with me. And every time I, I want to use the word awesome to describe something, I catch myself. And I say, you know, she's absolutely right. If our God is an awesome God, and John affirms in his vision of God on the throne that he is an awesome God, then we dare not call anything else or anyone else awesome. That word must be reserved for God alone. Now before the throne, there are 24 elders which represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, I believe. God's Old Testament people God's New Testament people, the church. So in other words, around the throne of God are the people of God. And John tells us two things about them. He said they are wearing white robes and they have crowns on their heads. Why are they wearing white robes? Because the Bible tells us that when Christ died on the cross for our sins, He clothes us with His righteousness. No one's going to stand before God in their sinfulness, in their dirty, raggedy sinfulness. Nobody other than for judgment. But the Bible says that if we put our hope and trust in Christ, we get to change our clothes. I hope you like white. 
Because it's the color of heaven. So the white robe symbolizes his righteousness and points out the importance of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are coming into my favorite time of the year as we move into Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. I had a young pastor one time say to me, uh, he said, you've been preaching a long time, haven't you? And I said, about 40 years. He said, don't you get tired of Christmas and Easter? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you kind of have to preach the same thing. Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose. Don't you get a little tired of that? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I don't. If you ever get bored with the cross and with the empty tomb, you need to do something else. You ought not to be preaching because that is the heart of the message. I watched a documentary about Billy Graham. That guy preached for over 60 years. And they showed clips of him back in the late 50s, about the time I was born. He was preaching the gospel. They showed clips of him in the early 2000s at some of his last crusades. And you know what happened over 60 years? The message did not change. In the 50s, he was preaching the cross and Christ crucified and how his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And in 2008, he preached the same thing. And he did that on purpose. Because he, he understood with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said this in, in 1 Corinthians. He said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified. And I guess if it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for Billy Graham. And if it's good enough for Billy Graham, it's good enough for me. And I hope it's good enough for you. I hope you never get tired of hearing the cross of Christ. I hope you don't say, well, I think I'll stay home the next few weeks because they're going to talk about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. I hope you don't say that. Because what John saw in this vision in Revelation 4, I want to see it. I mean, I'm glad he saw it, and I'm glad he wrote about it, I want to see it for myself. And that's only possible through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I like what James Dobson had to say. He said, the final heartbeat of the Christian is not the mysterious conclusion to a meaningless existence. It is rather the grand beginning of a life that will never end. I like that. Let me get back to the story. I'm in the middle of verse 6. It said, In the center around the throne were four living creatures, 
and they were covered with eyes in front and at back. And the first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox, and the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. And day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. These, these four living creatures are pretty strange, aren't they? Got a lot of eyes, they got wings, they got different faces. And that seems to represent all of God's creation. You see, this makes sense if you think about it. You have God on his throne, you have the Holy Spirit there, you have the people of God represented by the 24 elders. Then you have the totality of God's creation around that. So in other words, everything praises the Lord in heaven. I remembered back during the, uh, the triumphant entry uh, of Jesus. When he came into Jerusalem, the people were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And the Pharisees said, Jesus, you got to shut these people up. No man should receive that kind of praise. That's reserved for God alone. Tell them to be quiet. And you remember what Jesus said to them? He said, if I were to silence these people, the very rocks and stones would cry out my praise. Wow. All of creation worships God in heaven. Now I mentioned earlier that the 24 elders had white robes and crowns. I told you about the robes. I haven't told you about the crowns yet. Because at this point, when everyone is praising the Lord, they're taking off the crowns and they're laying them before God to show that he is ultimately the king. But what's the purpose of the crowns? The one who wins the battle gets to wear the crown. That's how things work. So it's a symbol of victory. Well, what victory have the people of God won? It's Christ's victory over death and hell. And that victory has been given to us. We have his righteousness with his robe. We have his victory with our crown. And it all circles back around to the fact that God is on the throne. I hope you never lose sight of that thought. I find great comfort and encouragement and strength and faith in knowing that God is on the throne. Whenever I hear on the news that war has broken out somewhere, I remind myself that God is where? On the throne. 
Whenever I hear about a terrorist attack somewhere, I say God is... Whenever I hear about another school shooting, I remember that God... When that phone call comes in and it's your medical test results and it's not good, where is God? When you get to the end of the month and there's not enough money to meet all the bills, where's God? God is on the throne. That means he is large and in charge. <laughs> and the things that rock my world, all those kind of things I just mentioned, the things that shake me up and threaten to tear me down, they don't affect him. He is bigger, he is more powerful, he is greater than any of them. And so when John sees that vision of God on the throne in his glory, his majesty, his power, his wisdom, I find hope in that. I find hope in this life. And I find hope in the life to come. And I hope you do too. Well, next week, we're going to jump ahead to Revelation 21. And I'm telling you this because you might want to read it before next Sunday. We're going to jump ahead to Revelation 21, and we're going to look at what life is like in heaven and what life is not like in heaven. And then on Palm Sunday, we are going to backtrack to Revelation 5. Some of you may have noticed there was something missing in Revelation 4. Did you happen to notice what's missing? God is on the throne. The Holy Spirit is there by Him. You have the people of God. You have the creation of God. You don't have Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. Well, you do if you read Revelation 5. But we're going to come back to that on Palm Sunday. That's called a teaser. You know, it's supposed to make you say, we can't miss church these next two weeks. we got to be there. God is on the throne. Heaven is real. And we have that hope in our heart because of Jesus. I just summarized the whole message in 20 seconds. And you're thinking, why didn't you do that to start because I thought I might need to explain it a little. Let us pray. God, I am so grateful for heaven. We need to know that you are on your throne. We need to know that heaven is not just wishful thinking, but it truly is a place that has been prepared for us where someday we will come and be with you forever. That is the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's never been wrong yet. He's never failed in a promise yet. And he's not going to fail us now. So, Father, I pray that as we live each day in this world, may we have the hope of heaven in our hearts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.